All right, I'm glad you're here. Uh, my name is Pastor Jake. If you're new, I'm the lead pastor, and I have the privilege to communicate uh, to you today uh, what I feel like the Lord has put on my heart to share out of His Word. And uh, if you have your Bible, you can grab it, head over to Matthew chapters 6 and 12. We'll get there in just a minute. We'll make a stop in Colossians 1, 2. If you're really an overachiever, uh, you can get over to Colossians 1 as well. Otherwise, you can grab, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab your phone or your tablet, head over to the uh, Version Bible app, and you'll get all of our notes uh, for today if you just click on event or live. And then uh, you can grab a bulletin and follow along that way as well. So I want to talk to you today and next week about a new initiative that we're rolling out at Great Oaks uh, called Kingdom Builders. Everybody say Kingdom Builders. And I'm really going to need some, I might ask you to say some things today. You guys ready? Uh, Only because it's raining outside and you're sleepy, you know what I mean? And so I'm just going to try to wake you up every now and then um, and and try to scream at you some so that you can't. You can't do that. You can't fall asleep during the sermon, all right? So, um, so we're going to talk about kingdom builders. Today, I'm going to lay some groundwork for that. I'm going to talk uh, scripturally about this idea of being a, a kingdom builder and some specifics about what this is going to look like in our church. And then next week, don't miss next week, we are going to have uh, some guests up on this, the platform with me uh, who are already living this kingdom builders thing out. And so um, that's going to be a great Sunday. Don't miss that. Uh, and, and so we're going to talk about this the next two Sundays. But to get the ball rolling, uh, what do we mean when we say kingdom? What do we mean when we say God's kingdom or the kingdom of God? I kind of want to talk to you about that a little bit. If you've been doing this Christian thing very long, this concept of the kingdom of God shouldn't be uh, foreign to you, right? If you open the New Testament, if you read through the Gospels, you're going to see this phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, show up a bunch of times. And so, in fact, if it, scholars say that if you break down uh, all of the topics that Jesus preached on, taught on, uh, talked about, if you break it down by topic, that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is the number one thing that Jesus talked about. If you look at all that he talked about, he talked about the kingdom of God most. In fact, there were some parables that that he would start, he would just say, the kingdom of heaven is like whatever, right? The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is is like a man who found a treasure buried in a field, and when he found it in joy, he ran and he sold all that he had so that he could get that field. The kingdom of heaven is is like a woman who lost a coin, one out of ten, and and she's just sweeping her house, looking around like crazy, picking up furniture, looking for this one lost coin. And when she found it, she went to her neighbors and she invited them over and she threw a party. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who went out to scatter some seed. Some seed fell along the path, some fell in the thorns, some fell in rocks, but some seed found good soil, and produced a crop. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God all the time, didn't he? The kingdom of heaven. And sometimes for us Americans, this idea of a king and kingdoms, it's a little difficult to get our minds around, right? Uh, If you look at our history, we as a people don't really like kings, (laughs) do we? I mean, we as a people see a king as someone to overthrow, right? That's, That's kind of our bent. I mean, we're all about individualism. In fact, the the idea of authority is even a difficult one for us in government, at home, in church, at work, everywhere. 
And so we're at a bit of a disadvantage this time as we, as we open the word because the Bible is clear. God is not a duly elected president or prime minister. This is not a democracy. God does not lead a democracy. He is a king who leads a kingdom. It's called a theocracy. No voting and God is in charge, right? God is in charge. And that's the basic idea of a kingdom. Kingdom just means the king's domain, wherever the king is in charge. But we can't really stop there because if we say that the kingdom of God is wherever God is in charge, then most of us would say, well, that's everywhere, right? God is in charge everywhere. That must be so everywhere is God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. And that's, that's true, but I don't think that's what the Bible is talking about here because it doesn't just talk about one kingdom. In fact, it talks over and over about two kingdoms, about two kingdoms. Look at Colossians 1 with me. It'll be on the screen. The apostle Paul wrote this in Colossians 1 verse 12. He's writing about why he's praising God for the believers in the Colossian church. And it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So two kingdoms, right? Two kingdoms, two domains, the domain of darkness and the kingdom of God, of God's beloved son. You see, there's this tension in the scriptures when it talks about the kingdom of God because you've got all of these scriptures like Psalm 89 and a ton of other ones that say that the earth and everything in it is already God's, right? Everything belongs to God already. It's already his kingdom. And he's already defeated the kingdom of darkness. That happened at the cross, right? And so that's already happened. The cross is where the kingdom of darkness was already defeated. And yet you and I live in the time between the cross and Jesus' return, right? And so we're in this kind of in-between moment. Already, but, but not yet. It's this already, but not yet tension that we live in. The, the war has been won, and yet you and I are still fighting the battle, right? You see, there's this epic, cosmic war that's been going on forever that predates the creation of the heavens and the earth, the creation of man and woman. Because before he created the universe as we know it, the Bible says that God created these immaterial spiritual beings called angels. And it says that a lead angel, before the earth was created, a lead angel rebelled against God. God had created the angels to serve him, to honor him, and to assist him in the creation of the world. But this there was this cosmic, this epic battle in the heavens where a lead angel named Satan gathered some other angels and they rebelled against God in the hopes that they would somehow overtake him and get the honor and the glory and everything that's due to only him uh, alone. But the uncreated, all-powerful God of these lesser beings put this rebellion down. And then this lead angel, Satan, took his battle, took his war, took his problems to, to the earth, took the fight to the earth, to our first parents, Adam and Eve. 
And at that point in human history, Satan, the the leader of this rebellion, tempted Adam and Eve, and they ended up siding on Satan's side. They against God. They ended up choosing rebellion over submission to God, and they ended up on his side. And because of this, human history has been marred by sin, devastation, rebellion, destruction. And I heard someone say it this way, and it stuck with me. There's this epic cosmic war. But have you ever seen how a a war correspondent works when he or she covers a war? Or really any reporter, or even pastors and missionaries, as they try to get like a, a group of people to connect to this big, large general vision uh, for a place or this endeavor or this problem. The, the good ones won't keep it at this big general level. They'll always tell the story from the perspective of one person, right? One family, one village, an individual. They'll tie it to an individual. So they'll show this one individual family that's affected by the war. They've lost their income or, or their home in a bombing. Um, they've lost their husband and, and father to the war. They're starving because they can't get supplies because they're stuck in this city that's ravaged by this war. They'll always tie it to an individual. A compelling missionary speaker won't only talk about the millions that need to know the Lord in in a certain country, even the thousands that have come to know the Lord in their ministry. They'll talk about that, but then they'll talk about one family who gave their life to Christ. One person who was transformed by the gospel of Jesus. There's this wide angle, this wide lens, and then there's this narrow focused lens, and The gospel writers and other writers of the scriptures, they do this over and over again. They'll talk about this epic cosmic war that's been going on before the creation of heaven and and Satan's rebellion in heaven. But they'll also zoom in on the battle right here and right now and they'll show us what's going on here now. How this affects you and me and those stuck in darkness. Well, let me show you how the gospel writer Matthew does this in Matthew 12, starting in verse 22. Matthew 12, 22. It says this, Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, brought to Jesus, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? Can this be the son of David? So there's this epic cosmic war that's raging, but Matthew, like a good war correspondent, zooms in and tells us the story of one person who's stuck in the battle right now. He tells the story of one man, a demon-oppressed man, a blind and mute man. Make no mistake, he's in the middle of the battle. He's in the domain of darkness, like Colossians 1 was talking about. But Jesus shows up and he heals this man. He sets him free. He transfers him from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved son. Listen, some of you are like this man in Matthew 12. Like this blind, mute man. You're right in the thick of the battle for your soul. You're oppressed, depressed, confused lost, 
blind and mute. There's this epic war whose end has already been determined, but you're in the battle right here and right now. You need to allow Jesus to do for you what he did for this guy, this blind and mute man in Matthew 12, to set you free, to transfer your citizenship from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved son. And that can't happen by your own willpower or ability. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Look at this next verse, verse 24. Matthew 12, 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It's only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. So the Pharisees don't believe that Jesus is an agent of God's kingdom. The Pharisees see the world divided into two kingdoms, though, don't they? They just don't really think that Jesus is on their side. They think he's on the other side. They think that he's an agent of Satan. And so they say that he does miracles by the power of Beelzebul, which is this ancient kind of demon, false god of Canaan. Uh, it's a reference to, to that god, the god Baal. Look at Jesus' response. This is the land of Lincoln, so I think you'll understand this or at least recognize it, right? Verse 25, knowing their thoughts. Did you know Jesus knows your thoughts? Just think about that a second. All of the blustering and the, the image you try to put forward and the, the perfect Facebook pictures that you take an hour editing before you post. <laughs> did, you know, did you know Jesus knows your thoughts? You can fake it with me. You can't fake it with Jesus. Verse 25, knowing their thoughts. It must have freaked them out that he knew their thoughts. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, why, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. Jesus is going, what you're saying, Pharisees, is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense that I would be casting out demons from Satan's power. Why would Satan cast out his own demons, right? This doesn't make any sense. Why would Satan work against himself? Look at verse 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If it's by the Spirit of God that I'm casting this demon out, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is saying, again, there are two kingdoms, but you've got me on the wrong side. I'm bringing God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. He's saying to the Pharisees, you better get this right. Because if you're wrong and I'm not casting out demons by Satan's power, then the only other option is that I'm casting out demons by God's power. And if I'm casting out demons by God's power, the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has come upon you. We'll come back to Matthew 12 in a moment. But let me show you another time that Jesus said something like this. It's Luke 17 and it'll be on the screen, but... The Pharisees are asking Jesus in this text, when is the kingdom of God going to come? He's been talking about the kingdom of heaven. It's like the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is near. And they're like, okay, but when? 
That's great. You want to shut up about the kingdom of God. But when is it going to come, Jesus? When? Look at it with me in Luke 17, starting in verse 20. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is what? In the midst of you. It's upon you. It's in the midst of you. It's right here. John the Baptist said in Matthew 3 that it's come near. When Jesus sent out his 12 disciples to preach, he didn't tell them a lot. But one of the things he said was, go out and preach that the kingdom of heaven has come near. He said that in Matthew 10. Upon you, in the midst of you, near. What Jesus is saying is the kingdom of God is not a future thing you have to wait for. It's not some future reality. It's right here. It's already come. It's right in front of you. What's Jesus saying? He's saying it's in the midst of you. You're already rubbing shoulders with the kingdom of God. He's saying, I'm the kingdom of God, right? Jesus is the kingdom. I've brought it here. Wherever Jesus is, Jesus is saying, wherever I am, the kingdom of God is. It's in the midst of you. It's near. It's upon you. It's right here. Because I'm among you. Jesus is the kingdom. It always goes back to Christ, doesn't it? It always goes back to Jesus. I hope you catch that while you're here at Great Oaks, however long that is. I hope you catch it. There's no other way. There's no other focal point for us to fixate on. There's no other topic worth our time. There's no other way for me to help you. Wisdom for me to give you. Life hack for me to share with you. Christ. Christ on the cross. Jesus giving himself up for the glory of his Father and the salvation of your soul. That's what it's all about. Jesus is the kingdom. When we talk about expanding the kingdom and building the kingdom and serving the kingdom, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about Jesus being made known. We're talking about Jesus transferring souls from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved son. I want to be clear. It's not social justice alone. It's not compassion alone. It's not community development alone. It's not morals alone. Those things alone do not transfer people from one side of the battle line to the other side. It's Jesus. Whatever we do, whatever we're caught up in, whatever we're all about, it's worthless without Jesus. It carries no weight without Jesus. It is temporary and impotent in its ability to affect actual change without Jesus. This is Jesus plus nothing. Are you tracking with me? This is Jesus plus nothing. Jesus brings the kingdom of God. It's among us, in us, upon us, near to us because Jesus has come. Let that sink in. Look back at Matthew 12 with me one more time. Verse 29. It says, Jesus says, Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder its goods 
unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Two kingdoms, darkness and light, sin and grace, death and life, Satan's and God's. If you are not in one, you are in the other. So this epic cosmic war, although it's already won from God's perspective, who created time and is outside of time, wages on from our perspective. Jesus is saying, we're each born into this battle. It's not just something that's happening in some other realm that doesn't touch this realm, that doesn't have an effect on us, doesn't influence the lives of everyday people. We see the effects of this war all around us, in our own lives and in the lives of people in our lives. You and I, whether we realize it or not, we're born on the wrong side of this war. On the wrong side of the battle line. Fighting with the enemy of our souls against the lover of our souls. Fighting for darkness and against light. Fighting for hate and against love. We were born in the house, in the territory of a strong man, Jesus says. Stronger than us. The only way for that to change is that the strong man is defeated by an even stronger man, right? If you're in the territory held captive by a strong man, your only hope is that a stronger man comes in from the outside and saves you. Jesus is the only one who can defeat the strong man who holds you captive in the dominion of darkness. Two kingdoms. A cosmic war. The battle right here and now. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we're not talking about some future reality. We're talking about here and now. The battle for the the kingdom of God rages in the hearts of men and women now. And listen, beloved, you have a choice. A choice to further the kingdom of God's son or the kingdom of darkness. There is no neutral ground here. There is no way to opt out of this battle. Let me be clear. It's impossible to serve the king and not fight to build his kingdom. It's impossible to serve the king and not fight to build his kingdom. Jesus said, if you're not with him, you're what? Against him. I didn't make this up. Don't get mad at me. I mean, this dude is legalistic, drawing lines. Loves to draw lines. Jesus said this very clearly. Matthew 12. If you're not with me, you're against me. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this. The kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. So saying you believe, saying the kingdom lives in you, saying that the kingdom is a priority, that doesn't matter, right? The kingdom of God isn't about that. It's not about what you say. It's not about talk. It's it's about power. It's about transformation. It's about things being different. 
So if the kingdom is really inside of you, then you'll be different. Your priorities will start to change. You will order your life differently. What you run after, what you seek after in your life will be different. That'll change. Bob Roberts Jr. in his book, Transformation, writes this. The kingdom of heaven is a radical message meant to be lived out in radical lives, which historically and culturally will have radical results. One of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes is, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. There's no middle ground here. My youth pastor used to say, the fence, that's the devil's property. And you may be saying, man, that's that's intense. Like, I just barely made it here. (laughs) I mean, it's raining, pastor. I just barely made it. I mean, I was like this close to staying home. I should have stayed home. I was like this close. I looked out the window. It was raining. I just barely made it. Man, that's intense. It's a lot to ask. Is it worth it? I mean, is it worth it? And I think that's a fair question. What's this investment into building the kingdom of God, siding with God's army and and God's son going to get me? What is it going to get me? What, What does it benefit me? Man, I get that. I get that. That's a natural question here. Anytime you're asked to sacrifice something or, or buy into something, a cause or whatever it is, it's fair to ask, why would I do that? Why would I even do that? What's it going to accomplish? When Jesus talk, taught about the kingdom of God, he, he knew that question was out there. He knew that that was a natural question to be asking. And one time in Matthew 6, after teaching on the kingdom of God and, and telling his followers to pray specifically that God's kingdom would come down from heaven just as it is, I'm sorry, come down to earth just as it is in heaven, right? He said, pray that way. And then he, he talked about how, how we shouldn't be laying up treasures on earth where, where it's temporary and it falls apart, but we should lay up treasures in the kingdom of God in heaven. After all that, Jesus started talking to the people about worry, about anxiety. It's Matthew 6, and he said, don't be anxious, but, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And if you don't know the context, the larger context of that passage, I think it could be misunderstood. Instead of reading all these things will be added to you, what we read is all things will be added to you, right? So we go, oh, seek God's kingdom first and I can have anything I want. This is awesome. I just put Jesus first in my life and then I can just get whatever I want. All things will be added to you. No, but Jesus is talking about specific things here. He's not saying that if you seek his kingdom, you'll get everything you want. That's how it's preached a lot of times. But that's not what this is saying. He's encouraging people to stop worrying. And he's specific. He says, don't be anxious about what you will eat or what you will wear. Food and clothing. Seek the kingdom of God first and these things will be added to you. Don't be anxious about what you eat 
or what you will wear. Food and clothing. He's talking about provision. And he says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest, and God still feeds them. Look at the lilies. They don't sow. They don't go to the the store and save up money for clothes. They don't worry about that, and yet they're beautiful. God clothes them. I think what he's saying is that when you seek the kingdom, when you really go after the the kingdom of God, when you put Jesus' kingdom first in your life, when you realize that the kingdom is here and now, and and that you're going to start running after it, fighting for it, when you really give your life to building the kingdom of God, that'll be enough. That'll be enough. It's the only thing that is enough. It's the only thing that truly satisfies. I think what he's saying is when you start seeking God's kingdom first, you don't even think about these other things. You're like the birds and the lilies. Like you, you don't worry about it because you're focused on the kingdom of God. That's not where your satisfaction and your fulfillment and your peace comes from. That Your peace comes from seeking God's kingdom. So is it worth it? Yes. No question. In fact, it's the only thing that is. But if you've given your life over to Christ, if you've been transferred from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of God's Son, like Colossians was talking about, you already know that, don't you? I mean, you already, you already know that. For you, it's, it's not a question of what you'll get out of this. It's a question of what you've already gotten. We sell out to the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God has already sold out to us. We fight for the kingdom of God not to find fulfillment, but because we've already found it in Christ. The kingdom, Jesus, it's enough. It's the only thing that is enough. So from the wide lens, there's this epic cosmic war that started with Satan's rebellion in heaven, and and that has already been won, but we have yet to see the culmination of that already, but not yet. As the camera zooms in a bit, we find you and me in the battle right here, right now, souls being lost and saved, the kingdom of darkness being overcome by the kingdom of light. And if we've been transferred to the kingdom of God's Son, The camera will catch you and I actively fighting against the kingdom of darkness, the dominion of darkness that Colossians 1 said, here and now. Jesus said it this way to his disciples in Matthew 11, 12. He said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. The New Living Translation puts it this way. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. What Jesus is saying here is that it doesn't just happen. The kingdom of God, it requires purposeful, intentional, and even forceful action. So, the first question you have to ask yourself is, which kingdom am I fighting for? Two kingdoms, no neutral ground. Have you been transferred from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of God's Son, like Colossians 1 talked about? If not, 
If you're the blind and mute man in Matthew 12, then don't leave here today without getting that right. Ask Jesus to rescue you and get you on the side, this side, his side of the battle lines. The Holy Spirit does that. God does that. Not a priest or a pastor or you, just God. So pray and get that right before you leave here. Once you get that settled, the second question to ask yourself is this. What am I doing specifically to actively build the kingdom of God? Because I can't serve the king without fighting to build his kingdom. It's impossible. So what am I doing as one whose identity has been transferred from the dominion of darkness miraculously by the grace of God into the kingdom of God's beloved son? As one who's on this side of the battle lines, what am I doing specifically to actively fight against the dominion of darkness, to push back the darkness in my family's lives, in my life, in my neighborhood, at my workplace? What am I doing? In other words, am I seeking first the kingdom of God or am I seeking second the kingdom of God or third or tenth? And then ask the Lord to reveal what he would have you do, what part he would have you play and then begin doing it. The kingdom of God is taken by forceful action, Jesus said. It takes, takes action. So begin doing whatever the Lord leads you to do. I told you when we started today that I wanted to talk to you about a new initiative that we're rolling out here at Great Oaks called Kingdom Builders. This is how we as Great Oaks are going to purposefully and intentionally build the kingdom of God, both locally and abroad. And if you're a visitor, this really isn't for you, um, although uh, if you're, you're welcome to jump on board. And, and I hope that it at least shows you kind of where our heart is as a church, that it's not about our kingdom, but it's about God's kingdom, and it's about helping people and, and, and spreading the gospel, the peace, and the love, and the joy of God. So hopefully you see that if you're um, you're a visitor. And so I'm asking each of you, as people who call Great Oaks your, your home church, I'm asking you to become a kingdom builder with me. And that means three things. Serving here at Great Oaks to build God's kingdom, serving outside of these walls and our partner organizations both locally and abroad, and giving of your finances above your tithe, beyond that first 10% of your income to the kingdom builders fund. And we're going to talk specifically about kingdom builders like we are today once a year. And when we do that, we'll be asking you to recommit, revisit what God is telling you to do and, and to have another chance to kind of jump on board and be a kingdom builder. Building the kingdom of God through serving at Great Oaks, serving our partner organizations outside of these walls and giving towards the kingdom builders projects. So next week, we're going to talk more in depth about serving how you do that, and we'll, we'll have some, some Great Oaks people who are already kingdom builders in our community up here, and we'll kind of do a, a, a Q&A with them, not you asking questions, but me asking questions, an interview. We'll call it an interview, um, and it'll be a great, great Sunday, so don't miss that. Today, though, I, I want to end just by talking to you uh, about the financial part, helping you understand the financial part so that you can begin to pray about what God would have you give towards kingdom builders. The Kingdom Builders Fund... We'll finance three things each year. Global missions, local church expansion, and compassion ministries, local and abroad. So let me go through those really quick. Global missions, 
means mission endeavors we've historically been involved in, like sending teams to Peru, supporting Kids Alive missionaries there, missionaries in West Africa and the Basque country, uh, as well as new organizations that we're going to be supporting, like Priority One, who we're going to help this next year build uh, a, a Bible school in Tanzania. And so we'll be doing that. So it's new and, and what we've done before. It also includes supporting uh, our network of churches, the FEC, the, the, the Fellowship of Evangelical Churches, as they seek to, to resource pastors, plant churches, send missionaries all over the world. So it includes that. And then this is global missions. So we're talking about global. That means here too, right? So everywhere, not just on the other side of the world, but here as well. So this aspect of Kingdom Builders also um, includes things like Metamoral Youth for Christ, Miracle Camp, stuff like that, local things. And then the second thing, like I said, is local church expansion. And that means here at Great Oaks, these are funds that will be used out of the Kingdom Builders Fund to expand Great Oaks. And so what that means is maybe planting a campus in a neighboring community, maybe doing a certain outreach uh, or something like that. Some years, it'll be actually expanding some, some building if we need to. If we outgrow a facility, um, it will, we'll have to do that. Some years, it'll be that. But most of the time, it'll be money that's used to, to rent a facility in a neighboring community so that we can take the light of the gospel there or to do spend some money to do outreach in a neighboring community, getting ready uh, to plant a campus or something like that. So that's local church expansion. The third thing was compassion ministries. These are ministries that are on the front lines, helping people in the greatest physical and material need. These are local organizations like Southside Mission, Snack Pack, Heartline and Heart House, Peoria Dream Center, Reclaimed, as well as global organizations like Convoy of Hope that is, is sometimes the, the first people on the scene after a natural disaster to give relief, not just relief, but the gospel message. And so we support Convoy of Hope. And each year around this time, we'll give you a list of Kingdom Builders initiatives for the following year. And that list is going to be handed out to you on your way out. So make sure you get that list. And it'll go through the dollar amount, what we're doing, how we're doing it. Totally transparent. You can ask us questions, ask me questions anytime you want. Uh, but these are the things that we're going to be moving uh, towards. And then after today, um, that list, that Kingdom Builders project list, initiative list, that'll be at the Welcome Center for any time you need to look at it or want to look at it. So that's what it does. That's what Kingdom Builders does, what the fund does. But how is the Kingdom Builder Fund going to be financed? Two sources. Everybody say two sources. I forgot I was going to have you repeat stuff. So we're going to do like 30 right now. Everybody say two sources. First, we've committed as a leadership team of Great Oaks uh, to not only teach and encourage you to tithe in your personal finances as an individual or as a family, but also to practice the principle of tithe in our church finances as well. So what that means is that by faith, we as a leadership team are committing 10, at least 10% of Great Oaks general fund to the Kingdom Builders Fund. Are you tracking with me so far? The first 10%. We'll budget that out each year based on the last year's general fund income, make it up as we need to make it up, if we have more come in than we had the year before. So what that means is that when you give your tithe, your general fund undesignated tithe, when you do that, a portion of it will go to Kingdom Builders 
every time. One dollar out of ten. Ten percent will go. So the first funding so- source is this ten percent. The second, second funding source, everybody say second funding source, is Great Oaks individuals and families giving above and beyond their tithe to the Kingdom Builders Fund. So, so we're asking everyone to give a monthly amount. Maybe it's $50 or $100 every month, whatever you can budget monthly to Kingdom Builders. And we're asking you to pray and ask the Lord what he would have you give, what he would have you sacrifice in a one-time gift soon to now. You don't have to do it today, but sometime soon. So you're praying about what God wants you to do monthly and what God wants you to do right now in a one to both a one-time offering that's maybe a little larger and a monthly amount that you can maybe budget and like not drink Starbucks and make it up, right? Uh, so something like that. That's what, that's what the card in your bulletin is about. If you have your bulletin, grab it, get the card out, and you can start looking at it and you can see where we're at um, and what we're talking about. So use, it, use that card to tell us uh, what you're going to give and when you can give it, turn it in. We'll send you a copy uh, so you have it for your records. You can mail it to us, hand it uh, to the Welcome Center people. There's going to be buckets on the way out that you can do that this week and next week. Drop it in there. Uh, get it to us however you want to get it to us. And so uh, let me just pause for a second and be clear about a couple things, okay? Say, be clear, pe- preacher. Can you guys, are we going to do that? Be clear, preacher. Come on. Sorry, that was like a southern thing. You guys in being a southern church this morning? Be clear, preacher. Preach it. Come on. You're not with me. All right. (laughs) I want to be clear on a couple things. First, this is for Jesus. Everybody say, this is for Jesus. This is to build his kingdom. Not so that I can spruce up my office. Not so that I can get a new car or another gold ring. This is money that will go out to expand and build the kingdom of Jesus. Don't be confused. Don't let the enemy of the kingdom of God confuse you this morning. This is for Jesus. Second, I want you to pray and only give what God leads you to give. Nothing more, nothing less. You with me? And third, with kingdom builders, outside of some kind of unforeseen emergency in our church or in our community, we're going to go down to one special offering a year, okay? So I'm not going to come back to you for Peru, for for a Peru mission trip. I'm not going to come back to you in the spring asking for money for some endeavor, some campus thing or whatever. Like I'm not coming back to you for another offering. Are you tracking with me? This is it. This is whatever we are planning on doing in 2018, we're going to take care of in the Kingdom Builders Fund in 2017, at the end of 2017. Whatever we're planning on doing in 2019, we'll take care of in the fall, October time frame of 2018. Are you with me? I'm not coming back to you, so I don't, don't be thinking like, well, I'm going to give a little bit here and I'm going to give a little bit. Like, I'm not going to ask you for anything else. This is it, Okay. Every year I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say, this is what we're doing with kingdom builders. God is good. Let's do this. Let's build God's kingdom. And I'm going to ask you for two financial things. A one-time gift that you pray about and you give sacrificially and extravagantly as the Lord leads you to fund kingdom builders. And a monthly amount that you budget. You use your brain and you figure out what you can give on a monthly basis. And you give that um, every single month. So whatever funds we need to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish, 
through the, build them, through the Kingdom Builders Fund. They'll be listed every year, financed by 10% of general fund and what I just said. Make sense? I'm trying to be, I'm trying to over-communicate. Everybody say over-communicate. over-communicate. You say, preach it, preacher. preacher. All right, three, three of you got to get me. Okay, here's where it comes uh, to some math and some faith. How many of you know it's hard to do math and have faith, right? I mean, it just is. Like, it's just hard to do math and step out in faith. Some numbers people, how many of you are numbers people? Everybody, because you're all engineers. Okay, so numbers <laughs> So if you're a numbers person, it's hard to, to, to do math and have faith. This is equal part pragmatism, math, and faith. Stepping out and, and, and doing something for God that goes beyond the numbers. So math and faith. You ready? This year, we're believing God for $200,000 in Kingdom Builders Fund. $200,000 to build his kingdom in the way I've been talking about global missions, local church expansion, and compassion ministries. Half of that is going to come from the 10% of general fund if, if we've got our numbers right. I'm, I don't do math. Somebody else does that. So half of that comes from that. So you, so you can't move your tithe over to kingdom builders. That won't make any sense. Everybody say, that doesn't make sense. That won't make any sense. When you tithe, you're giving to the general operation of the church, the ongoing ministries, outreaches, personnel costs, everything that Pastor Chris was talking about just a moment ago, everything else that allows us to accomplish what God is asking us to do as the local church. So if we raise a million dollars for kingdom builders, but we get zero dollars in our general fund, we'll send a million dollars and we'll close the doors. Right? I mean, that's just math and faith, right? Math and faith. So don't stop giving your tithe and start giving it if you haven't yet because that's how our church can operate and $100,000 of this Kingdom Builders Fund is from your tithe. The other half is you giving above and beyond. It's what you put on the card in your bulletin, a one-time gift and a monthly commitment, both. I don't know if this sounds big or small to you, this goal. Some of you have a lot of faith, maybe more than me. You're like, we could do way more than that. Some of you are struggling in faith right now. You're like, 200000 I don't know if God has that much money. <laughs> I don't know if this is big or small to you, but I believe we can absolutely hit this goal. We have, our fi- we have over 500 adults here every Sunday, and that's growing. There's never a Sunday where everybody shows up at one time, even Easter, right? There's never a Sunday that we all show up. There's actually more than 500 adults, a lot more. So if everyone gets involved and does something for Kingdom Builders, we'll hit this no problem. I really believe that. Remember, it's not all at once. Not looking for 100000 today. It's a larger one-time gift that you decide to give this month, next month, or the following. It's on your card. Plus every month for a year. And we can add those up and see if we're close to our goal or, or exceeding it. But here's what I would say about that. Don't do the math. Just do your part. Don't do the math. Just do your part. I'm not asking you to give $100,000, although I'd accept it for Jesus if you wanted to give it. (laughs) I'm just asking you to do your part. Just pray and ask God. Some of you can give $10,000 right now and $500 a month towards this. If God leads you to do that, do it. Some of you are able to give $100 now and $20 a month. Praise God. Most of us are somewhere in between that. It's not about equal gifts. What about equal sacrifice, right? Just don't do nothing. Give what the Lord leads you to give.
So one more time, what to do now? Pray. Everybody say pray. pray. Just pray and ask God. Whatever God tells you to give, give that. Nothing more, nothing less. Get on board with Kingdom Builders in some way. Number two, fill out the commitment form in your bulletin. If you didn't get that, we're going to have our ushers with the buckets. They'll have bulletins or they'll have these, uh, these commitment forms that they can hand you on your way out if you missed it. Um, I don't know why you don't get a bulletin when you come in. Just get one. Like, just trust me, okay? Just get it, and, uh, but you can get it on the way out, okay? So fill out the commitment form in your bulletin. Turn it in in the buckets uh, at the back this week or next week or however you can. And then number three, be a kingdom builder by serving and by giving. Are you excited about what God is going to do through this? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Let's hold up. Let's just try it again. Are you guys excited about what God is going to do through this? I mean, God's going to do something awesome through this. And so I really believe this it expands our influence and builds the kingdom of God. And if many hands make light work, if we get together and we do this, then I believe God's going to help us hit that goal. By faith. Everybody say, by faith. By faith. We're going to hit this goal. So don't miss next week as we talk about the serve aspect of this. Be praying. Turn in your, your forms as soon as you possibly can. Um, and I, I believe the Lord will bless you as you do that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your challenge today uh, about your kingdom. And I pray that if there's anyone in here who has yet to be transferred, their citizenship, their identity to be transferred from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of your son, your beloved son, Jesus, then I ask that right now every barrier would be taken out, every obstacle would be overcome, that your love and your grace and your gospel would just like a tidal wave, just flow over their hearts, their doubts, their fears. And that right now they would give their lives over to you. Doesn't matter if they've been here for 40 years, going to church for 40 years. It doesn't matter if this is their first Sunday and they've never done this before. I pray, Jesus, that you would, Holy Spirit, that you would overcome hearts and minds right now and transfer people, like Colossians 1 said, to the kingdom of God. We pray that, Lord. We pray that. We pray that you would help us to answer the call, answer the challenge. Realize what's at stake here and sacrifice it all for your kingdom to be built here and all over the world. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Why don't you stand with me? But here's our prayer for us today. May we be a church that welcomes the challenge to do more for the kingdom of God because it's worth it. May we be a people who seek first the kingdom and find all that we hope for in doing so. And may we fight every day to build the kingdom of God right here, right now. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Make sure you go to a life group. Get plugged in and discuss this message this week. God bless.